the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, episode 203. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. Good morning. I sound a little bit throaty this morning. Did you smoke a bit? She smoked a lot of cigarettes last night. <laughs> you know, I've been real busy in my dreams, Sandra. So yeah, if I could remember, maybe that's what happened. I've been sleeping in. This early bird has just been, yeah, I've been just getting up right before I need to. So I'm all I'm I'm freshly awake for you. <laughs> I've been sleeping in a tad myself. I think it's since we're approaching summer, it's already, you know, feeling like approaching summer here in Austin, Texas. And that's just, yeah, when I tend to sleep, but you know, like an hour later for me, not, not anything too crazy. I still get up about six 30, but you know, there are stretches of time where I get up at five or five 30. So yeah, I'm kind of sort of sleeping in myself even though 6 30 a.m is not sleeping in for a lot of right. people I'm for sure. a lot of people but just like my regular I don't know it's the uh it just feels like winter like I'm skipping spring I'm just kind of still getting out of winter <laughs> and um I think with the move and everything I think I told you last week like my divorce was like officially final did I tell you that like I got the judgment and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it feels like, uh, you know, doors are closing, doors are opening. I'm feeling a little more hopeful for summer in terms of uh, just energy. And I know travel is on our minds a ton mm-hmm. or actually mine, but I think ours just because we're getting together with the unruffleds with our listeners. I'm yeah, super excited September. about that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. It's going to be here before we know it. So a couple of our listeners kind of took the lead and planned a trip and um, people kind of are doing their own personal responsibility, booking rooms and whatnot. And we'll gather um, late September, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's not a, you didn't hear an announcement because it's not like an official retreat or workshop. We just 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody's kind of making their way to Austin in September and I say everybody, a lot of (laughs) unruffled women. (laughs) Yeah. It's really cool to see. Um, I was talking about this recently, um, on a panel that I was on, but just about building the thing that you want, you know, make your own fun. And these ladies, our listeners, um, have made their own fun and it's super cute to hear, you know, just talking about like caftans and ca- what do you call it? Caftans and casseroles. Caftans and casseroles. Yeah. Right? I'm really excited about that. And, um, roller skating or going to Barton Springs and swimming and, um, it's just going to be what my heart needs. Um, oh Yeah. After my son goes to college and have a little bit of an empty nest, I'm really looking forward to kind of gathering and being with women. And I don't know, it's going to be great. Oh, I cannot wait. It's going to be great. Um, I'm plotting a trip to Paris, which I mentioned to you off the air briefly, um, I think in July. Oh, that's exciting. I think I'm going to go. So I'm waiting to hear from Cody, our friend Cody from the podcast. You guys have heard Cody on here a couple of times and um yeah he's he, he was so cute he was like um this Virgo hasn't planned anything in over a year I need to plan something he needs to unleash a spreadsheet onto something that's right so I'm like I'll be your project I'll I'll definitely do that so I was searching for flights yesterday and yeah and on Mother's Day I was kind of daydreaming about all of that so yeah I'll, I'll keep you posted on that very fun yeah but did you have a good mother's day i know we're recording this after mother's day i had a great weekend Mm -hmm. the whole yeah i kind of took on i took the whole weekend and it was really wonderful yeah we my son had to work on saturday um but my husband my daughter and i went to a river we went to a park and took a picnic and hung out by a river and we swam and swam and hiked around and my daughter and my husband brought fishing poles and it was such a good day it was such a good day freckles worked on my freckles nice um yeah it was a wonderful day and then sunday was just sort of chill um yeah, I went to uh, Whole Foods and bought some stuff to make pizzas. They have this chocolate there that I'm obsessed with. It's like a no sugar chocolate if you're trying to do like a low sugar thing. Oh, is it called Hue? What is H-U? the brand name? Oh my God, I'm obsessed with this chocolate. They sell it in, in bags and then, hmm. you know, the, the pieces are individually wrapped. Oh, I got to know this. Uh, there's, it's so good. It may say keto on the front or whatever. I'm not on a keto diet, but I do try to kind of, you know, be aware of my sugar intake. And this chocolate has monk fruit. It's sweetened with monk fruit. I'm upset. They do like a toasted coconut. <gasps> It's, I'm obsessed with it. It's kind of salty. Oh, it's so good. So anyway, that's why we went to Whole Foods. I I don't often shop there because there's not a convenient one. Plus I end up buying a bunch of crap I don't necessarily need. And it gets pricey very quickly. Yeah. Despite the Amazon discount, which is usually only a dollar 50, but anyway, I'm like, I need all these vitamins from Whole Foods right now. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And so- yeah, they really do. And um, anyway, so I got several bags of the chocolate and I bought stuff to make um, pizzas and Chloe and I 
came home and made pizzas because my husband had gone to have uh, lunch or dinner with his mom. And um, it was just a wonderful weekend. I mean, just such a good weekend. How about you? Um, I am. So Sandra, you've known me for several years, but I'm always late to the party on trends, anything that's cool. I'm going to be way behind the curve on it. You're probably what you're like my sister. You're like, you, you, you set the trend. I'm going to be about four years behind. Um, so I just discovered Facebook marketplace. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Do you know this? Oh yeah. I know okay. Facebook marketplace. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So I just discovered it, which is like thrifting for exactly what you want. Right. Comfort of your home <laughs> or your phone and then going and getting it. Right. It's like, so it's sort of what? like a Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah, but better, I think, because Craigslist was just, it's not as visual for me. Right. Um, it's too, anyhow, and, and over the last few years, I just stopped using it because it was just kind of a pain. Right. I don't know why, but anyhow, this seems very simple. And so I, in the spirit of my mother this weekend, I just decided I needed a couple little tweaks to my new place and doing it all on a budget, right? But I haven't really been thrifting, um, you know, during the pandemic or at all. And uh, I went on and got a couple little scores and it felt like a hit, <laughs> it felt mm-hmm. like, a, like a little hit, like, oh, this is what, the, what it used to be like when we could go thrift and go get things for a few bucks and make your home look pretty. So anyhow, I just made little areas and pockets of my home beautiful and got three pieces of furniture. My son helped me, which was very sweet. And then we ended up watching him and I watched a movie to get sushi and he picked it up and waited in the line and drove like, cause I don't live near anything, Sandra. So to get sushi took takes about to just the round trip for it could take a, an hour and 10 minutes. Oh, so it's like yeah. 35 minutes there and then 35 minutes back. But mm-hmm. then it's mother's day. There was a huge wait. So it's so nice to have a teenager just go yeah. and wait. And then there was a long wait cause it was mother's day. And I was like, it's, I'm not in any hurry, Grady, just you know, sushi will keep. Um, for a little bit right and we watched wild um which was so beautiful to watch together and um he's been reading that book for a class he's taking and studying Joni Mitchell's albums and um I know that's gonna be part of his final so I was like let's watch that you've already read the book you've already been listening to Joni Mitchell and, and studying her lyrics let's let's watch the film so we did and it was very sweet very sweet exactly oh, I what I mean I love that. Yeah. So, well, I wanted to take a moment to promote my class before we kind of dive into the episode of That's All Right. I've been working, I was just going to say, I was working on this class called The Muse, or I am working on this class. And I was working on the invitation kind of to reboot it and kind of going, oh, let's do a mid-year check-in, which I think is a good idea about our word for the year and your tarot spread for the year. And I just didn't have it in me. I just, something about it didn't light me up. And I was like, if it's not lighting me up, how can I teach that? Right. So I watched the film, Emily, and I just started taking notes and I watched the film for three days and just kind of did a deep dive. So I am, I put together a class based on some of the things in the film. There's so many, and it's just like helping, it helped me like get back into like childlike wonder again. And just like, 
being an observer of the world and how to make things beautiful and um, just how to bring like this creative adventure to my day to day. And so that's what I've been trying to do since I've been in a little bit of a kind of like a little dip, a little depression, a little bit of a um, moving through things like a molasses, this thing lit me up and I was like, this is what I want to share. So I went ahead and put it together. Sandra, it's four week class and we're going to watch the film. And then I have prompts every week. Um, the first week's going to be about noticing. Uh, the second week's going to be about making a pocket altar um, to take with you wherever you go for a loved one or for yourself. Um, the third week's going to be about photo booth play and self-portraits. And then the fourth week is about love letters, either to others or writing them to yourself. Um, and I'm, I just think it's going to be really sweet and simple and I'm going to do live classes on Mondays and then do show and tells on Fridays. So I was like, if I can get to Paris and teach this class, I would be ah, in Nirvana. Like I right? <laughs> I'm like, can I get there in June while the class is going on? So I'm finagling that. We'll see what happens. But if that does not happen, I will be teaching the class from my house <laughs> on Zoom. And uh, it's four weeks. It's uh, $99. And there's links in my profile on my Instagram which is at Tammy Salas, or there's a link on my website, TammySalas.com. And if anybody has questions, feel free to email me There's um, or message me on Instagram. And yeah, I would love to just be in community with a bunch of gals right now. It'd be, it'd be really good. Sounds really fun. Now, how yeah. much is it again? It's 99. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought it was more than that, but I think I changed it. And then I was like, no, you changed the price. 99. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. It's going back okay. to 99. Okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to quiz you on your um, <laughs> class. I just, uh, keeping things straight for you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, somebody needs to Sandra. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd up the price and I was like, no, I'm going to keep it simple. I want to just keep it at 99 for everybody and just make I it easy it. for a week. Just, yeah. Ah, I love it. It sounds really fun. Sounds whimsical. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I think I just, I just need that right now. I don't need anything serious. Nothing serious. Mm. This mm -hmm. will be, although this will be some, it can be some very serious introspection. My creative coach, Corinne, just made a beautiful pocket altar to honor her godmother on Mother's Day. And there's mm. been some real sweet conversations around. Um, um, I had a couple gals over to make some pocket altar just to try to just kind of work out the details of it and that they made for their daughters. And um, it was really, you know, they, you could go deep with it. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, that's, that's what I got going on. Well, the only that's thing June I 1st. will, right. June 1st. Yeah. Um, the only thing I will promote is just still adding wonderful things to my marketplace. Um, oh my God. I just, I got every once in a while, I'll feel like my, supply inventory is low and so I'll get on eBay mm -hmm. and I ordered I bought or won whatever off of eBay the most amazing scarf that it's on it's on its way here it's a Bob Mackie vintage <gasps> Bob Mackie and it's the um it's astrological it's the astrology <gasps> yes oh you just gave me goosebumps oh it's it's stunning I can well at least 
according to the pictures it is. I cannot <laughs> wait until it gets here and somebody's going to be very lucky. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Can we back up to the part where you feel like your supplies are getting low? I know that's really Sandra. silly. I know, <laughs> but here, here's, here's what, here's what it's like. So it's, it's, so every, even the captains and the ropes are like sort of arranging a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you, you yes. have part of the puzzle built, but not, but you're missing like a third of it. Mm. And so, you know, try as you might. Um, I mean, I think one of my super skills is that I can mix, you know, patterns and and colors really well, but occasionally, you know, it's just like, oh, I need something purple right here, you know, or, or something like that. Like I need something to fill in this before it's before I can actually stitch it together. And so every once in a while, yeah, I have to, I have to go, I have to hit some thrift stores, which I have not had a lot of luck with that lately. Mm. Um, and then the next step is to get like on eBay and kind of see what's out there. And that makes total sense. And I'm just giving you a hard time. It says the woman who has 9,000 pens. So I I (laughs) have a, it's true. I do have an entire building full of textiles. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just remember seeing that baker's rack. Oh, it's your ceiling. And it was like all scarves. And I was like, what in the world is this magic? (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. It's still there. (laughs) Anyway, so things are, you know, some things, maybe by the time this airs, um, Mm -hmm. I will have put together this Zodiac, amazing Bob Mackie Zodiac thing. I can't wait. It's going to be really cool. Oh, anyway, theunruffled.com. Yeah. Unruffled.com. Well, that, and you've been modeling too, which I think it looks beautiful on you. And just, I don't know, just another extension of your brand. It's you, you hand make all of these things and your stitching is out of this world. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that would be called beautiful. the French seam. The French seam. Oh, well, of course. Uh-huh. It is. Well, it's good. <laughs> I can't wait to be wearing some of your designs in Austin, my dear. And in, uh, in Paris, when I go, I feel like I need to bring a, um, a few of your items with me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to it. We yeah. have a lovely, a lovely woman on our podcast today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Today we have Casey McGuire Davidson. Some of you guys may know Casey already from her own podcast, but I'll tell you a little bit about her. Um, she's a certified professional life coach. She is the creator of the Sober Girls Guide to Quitting Drinking and the host of the Hello Someday podcast, which is a podcast for busy women ready to drink less and live more. She's a wife and mom who spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder while holding on tightly to her love of red wine. Casey specializes in working with women with full calendars and overflowing to-do lists who are doing all the things and then coming home and drinking to forget about all the things. Hmm. She offers private one-on-one coaching and on-demand sober coaching course to take you from day one to day 100 and beyond. Yeah. And we, and you can find her at her website at hellosomedaycoaching.com. The podcast is the hello someday podcast. And you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts and on Instagram, she's at Casey M Davidson. 
And I really enjoyed our conversation with her. It was really great. I mean, we were talking about basically, you know, is sobriety boring? And a lot of people can think that. So I thought we went deep and wide and she shared her beautiful story. So I hope our listeners really, really dig it. I agree. I agree. I think you're going to have so many takeaways from this interview. Um, So you guys enjoy Casey. Welcome to the show, Casey. Oh, thank you. I am so excited to be here and talking to you guys. Welcome, Casey. Yeah, it's about time, huh, Casey? I know we've like, we've, we've wanted to have you on the show for a while and then we took a break and we got distracted and anyway I'm just so glad you're here where are we talking to you from I live in Seattle Washington right outside the city oh what town Redmond Washington it's like 25 it's the home of Microsoft so that's where most people know us from yeah, that's where um, Macklemore hails from, right? Yes. yes. Oh, we were just talking <laughs> about Macklemore yesterday because he did such an awesome podcast yeah. with Dak Shepard on Armchair Expert. Have you listened to it? Yeah, it, it was, was so good. Awesome. It was so good. And I have to say that I was just looking back because Sandra, you came on my podcast, uh, mm-hmm. the Hello Someday podcast. Um, to talk about what's next in midlife. And that was a really great episode on like finding your purpose and creativity. So it's cool to be talking to you again. I know, I know. And we're going to talk about something that you suggested about boredom, the fear of boredom and sobriety, which boy, I tell you what, that kept me from, that kept me from even um, considering sobriety would work for me for a couple of decades, actually. Um, (laughs) but before we get into that, Casey, we would love to hear from you. It's how we always start this show off with our guests. We we love to hear like how you came to sobriety. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually quit drinking just a little bit over five years ago. I hit five years in February, 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. I know it's crazy to think of and related to the fears of boredom. I literally saw having to stop drinking as the worst case scenario in my life. I had been sort of a red wine girl, like self-identified. That's what I told people. Um, for my entire adult life, I, you know, arranged all the like mommy play dates with wine, like literally would offer to host at my house to make sure that people would provide alcohol. Cause I went to like my first, you know, mommy and me parent education seminar at someone's house when my son was like six weeks old and they just had goldfish and apple juice. And I was like, this is unacceptable. You know? Right. I mean, this I was is how so- we ensure that it's going to be there. This is going to be a wine, a drinking event, a is- drinking group, right? Because mm-hmm. we're adults and we have these screaming newborns and how are we ever going to have fun without it? Um, and, you know, so I was, I was just, um, I typically drank about a bottle of wine a night. That's what I did. It wasn't even that, un- I mean, like no one said anything about it because it was just what happened. And, you know, I could handle it pretty well in theory, right? Like I wasn't falling over or anything. I was just sort of on my couch pouring glass number four after putting my kids to bed, finishing the bottle. And then later really wanting that uh, to open another bottle. Like I just needed 
one more or two more. Like it wasn't enough. And so I drank like that, you know, basically my whole adult life. I think it was in the last 10 years that I was up to sort of a bottle. Um, I was climbing the corporate ladder. I thought that I had really stressful jobs in the corporate world. And also at startups, there was a lot of turnovers. There were a lot of layoffs. It was fast paced. And I had two little kids. I was married to my husband. And so it was just my reward at the end of the day for like surviving this stressful life. It was my treat. It was sort of, I think, looking back the way I tried to rebel against like, I'm still fun. This is how I get out of all the chores and responsibilities and the to-do list that I, of course, create mm. for myself. Mm. And yeah. You deserve it. I totally deserve right. it. My I got God. That. And, you know, anytime my husband would be like, you know, what are you doing? When I open bottle number two on a Tuesday night, mm-hmm. I just be like, what, what I do everything. I keep all the balls in the air. I work. Right. So and that's hard. when you like, yeah, whip out the martyr card. Oh and- my God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Martyr defensive. And, you know, in the morning, like he would, you know, not he, I would quote unquote, fall asleep on the couch. Right. AKA pass out. Oh yeah. He couldn't wake me up. I would wake up at 2, 3 a.m. mortified, embarrassed, somehow pissed at him mm-hmm. because I'd like mm-hmm. walk up the stairs. Fault. The door would be shut and I'd be like, what a dick. To- oh, can yeah. we swear? Yeah, swear all you want. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> dick. Like, what He's a, a dick. dick to close the door. And then like even more of a dick move in the morning, he would say, how are you feeling? And I'd be like, you asshole, you know, mm-hmm. like, thought it was a shot across the bow of it. I'd be so defensive be like, what? I'm fine. I'm great. You know, like it was. Yeah. So- nothing to see here. Nothing oh my to God. see. I call that the fake Fire. sober. I oh my God. In the meantime. Fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, call, I call that but the meantime, fake I'm sober. I'm swallowing. How right. the, the fake sober. Yeah. Right. Right. In the meantime, I'm like swallowing, you know, my, my vomit or whatever the grossness, you know, like I, I just, it was so and I'm sweating out of every pore. No, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Oh my God. Brutal headaches. And I just vividly remember like putting my eyeliner on and looking at my bloodshot eyes that were so watery and thinking, oh my God, I think they're looking yellow and being so jittery. Right. And yet going up to the bus stop with my five-year-old and, you know, then later with my eight-year-old and my two-year-old and wanting no one, you know, none of the adults at the bus stop to look at me too closely. Like I was always like Mm. sort of moving. So no one would stop and like look too closely in my eyes, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. Oh my God. It's exhausting. It's Mm -hmm. so exhausting. And, you know, but I, I was working for a long time, so hard to get it under control so that I would never have to stop. Like that was very clear in my mind. The goal was to get the shit together so that I wouldn't have to stop drinking. I wouldn't have to be like, I have a problem. I can't drink again. It was just sort of unfathomable to me. And of course, what happened was I, I slowly, thank God, started learning more about the world of all these people out there who decided not to drink, who were, uh, what was your first introduction? I mean, were you seeking it out? Did you just oh stumble God. upon someone? Well, of course, like when I found it originally was not when I stopped, 
right? There was right. probably, you know, three. A lot of research. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this will take you way back. And I don't know if it's too far back for the listeners, but you guys might know this. So my son was six months old. He is just turned 13. Um, and I was at work. I was in a coffee shop getting coffee in the morning. There was a New York Times there or a USA Today. I can't remember which. And there was a story about Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Yes. Who used to write those mommy drinking, like, mm-hmm. books, like there's cup. Chardonnay in my sippy cup or something yeah, like that. Sippy yeah. cups are not for Chardonnay and nap time is new happier. And I had bought those books because I was so immersed in the mommy happier culture and like word as a badge of honor. And it said queen of mommy happy hour gets sober or something like that. Mm. And I bought the article and then I looked it up online and it was all about how she'd written all these books. And the week before she'd put on her blog, I have a drinking problem and I have to stop. And I was like, oh my God. And I literally copied the article pasted it into a Word document on my work computer, labeled it something else, right? Because I was Mm -hmm. so deep and like, holy shit, I don't want anyone to know about this Mm -hmm. and saved it. And Mm -hmm. then I started reading her blog, which had, I think, Don't Get Drunk Fridays. Right, where she would tell other other women's stories. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. she alluded to this secret group. It was on email. And then I found it when I was on Facebook called the BFB, which is right. the free brigade. And so we have that in common because I was on the Yahoo group first. Too. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I mean, this is back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 2014 for me is when I found the Yahoo group. So yeah. And I, I found it because I was looking up secretly as well, sobriety podcasts and found the the bubble hour yeah. first yeah. and they were talking about the secret group yeah so you joined in 2014 2014 uh-huh the yahoo group oh my god i predate you which is crazy because the first time i joined and i stopped drinking was 2013 mm-hmm. um, and i remember i was at my office i was like a director in the startup and i was like okay i'm going to post on the facebook group I'd been reading on the Yahoo group for like a, a month, maybe. And I was shaking. Mm. I checked that I was on the right page like 17 times. <laughs> I posted a picture of me and my gorgeous five-year-old son and was like, here's who I am. Here's what I drink. I'm super worried. I desperately don't want to stop drinking. This is a nightmare. Mm. Hi. Like that was yeah. basically <laughs> my intro. And I posted and then I went back to my personal Facebook page and hit refresh, refresh, refresh. Cause I was like, to make gonna, sure you didn't I'm gonna fuck it up. Yeah. It if this went out to like all my former bosses and colleagues and college friends and it didn't so awesome. And then all these women, like 28 women, I, again, mm. apparently was a word doc girl. I copied all their comments and put it in my word doc and like, they just, the outpouring of love and like, it's going to be okay. And your story is just like mine and welcome. You're in the right place. I was in tears. Hmm. Yeah. So beautiful, Casey. And then I stopped for a year, but really four months. And then I got pregnant after four months. And as soon as my daughter was born, I convinced myself that, you know, I had just been in a really stressful situation and it's no big deal. And I was better now. And 
had more coping. Look, tools. you got through a whole pregnancy without drinking. Right? Surely you don't have a problem. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, you could reward <laughs> you could reward yourself when you're done. Yeah. Oh my God. I went back to drinking like yeah. a weekly, you know, date night with my husband, like two glasses. It took no time at all till I was back to a bottle a night, seven nights yeah. a week. And it took me 22 months to stop again, which is crazy. Mm. Now, did, was there ever like any other than just the, you know, the regular vanilla flavor of shame? Was there any like incidences or were you just over-functioning all the time and, and, you know, maybe only your husband secretly resented it? Um, I would say that little and big things started to slip. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, of course, right. We all have those like death of a thousand cuts, the plus the moments that should have been your bottom, mm-hmm. right. You know, mm-hmm. and they weren't. Um, I basically, you know, I have, sort of the first time I quit in 2013, my big vivid memory was that I was fighting with my husband and we don't fight. Like I am highly uncomfortable with conflict, right? So harmony is, is something that I typically maintain at all costs, but we were fighting a lot and the crazy, I had all this resentment and, you know, that's what drinking does to you, right? It makes you angrier than you are and, and all that's more paranoid. And um, I couldn't even remember the fights. Like I knew we were fighting, but I couldn't follow the thread of my argument. I couldn't remember in the morning what I was so pissed off about. And there was one night, um, and of course this is embarrassing. um, I was really mad at him. I used to sleep naked, whatever. (laughs) Somehow I don't anymore. And I climbed to bed with my five-year-old naked because I didn't want to sleep in the same bed with him. And I woke up in the morning. He was standing over me with a cup of coffee for me. And I was naked in bed with this just gorgeous, sweet little five-year-old. He didn't notice. But Mike said to me, why are we fighting? What is wrong? Whatever it is, I told you I won't do it anymore. And that was just like... Mm. It. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am going to fuck up my marriage and my kid and my life. And it's going to be my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> and then I, I stopped and then I started again. And the mm-hmm. second time, you know, they say that like recovery ruins you for drinking. It does. <laughs> it I'm does. sure. The whole time I was drinking after that. I mean, I'd been in the BFB. I'd actually gone to a couple AA meetings. That wasn't my path. I had read the books. I was plugged into the resources. So when I went back the entire time, I knew it was unsustainable. I knew I had to stop. I just didn't want to stop yet. Mm-hmm. And so every time with a hangover, every time that I felt like crap, every time I didn't like the way I looked, the second time it was more that I felt this sort of sense of doom and this crushing anxiety. And I was a little, I was kind of worried about my mental health and I knew it was my drinking. Like I knew. And so I used to wake up at three in the morning and scroll the BFB. And at some point someone suggested a sober coach, um, which is what I am now. It inspired me to go down this path, but I worked with Bell Robertson at tired Mm -hmm. of thinking about drinking. And so my last day one was, was not memorable. It was like a Wednesday night, um, you know, I, I was drinking my bottle of wine, my husband, I was watching Scandal, 
my husband said, I think you watched this last night. I honestly thought he was fucking with me. Like there was no way I didn't remember a thing. I got to the end and I had seen it. Like there was one flash where I was like, holy shit, I watched this entire show and I don't remember it. And the next day I emailed her and signed up. So, you know, big and little things. Right, right. And you know what you said about the anxiety? It's like, yeah, you can manage a corporate job, two kids, a family, and, you know, a bottle and a half of wine a night for a while. (laughs) Yeah. But mm-hmm. eventually something is going to fail. Yeah. When you're making it, you don't realize that you're making it so much harder on yourself. Like I was, it's like you're running a marathon with this ball and chain tied to your ankle and you don't even realize it. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and I, you know, say this all the time, it's progressive, you know, those you would kept adding glasses of wine to that consumption nightly, nightly consumption. And, you know, it just doesn't, I mean, it may maintain itself for a while, but eventually that curve is going to start, you know, tanking down. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, it, you don't realize how much it impacts your outlook and your optimism and just, it takes up like 75% of your brain. I used to like, my husband drank beer, which I was perfectly happy with because then I got the bottle of wine. Sure. I would actually pissed if he'd be like, oh, I'll try that wine because it wouldn't be enough. Right. Right. He's like, like, oh no, you don't, you know, especially if you don't have the backup bottle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or I'd be like, now I'm going to have to open a second bottle. And it's because you took a glass like, right. Just so fucked up, you know? Um, Oh, for sure. And you know, like they say, and this would be a good segue into our topic today, but you can selectively numb emotions. Yeah. 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 You can temporarily numb anxiety or stress, but you also numb those upper level emotions as well. You, you, you don't get to pick and choose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Casey, what made me think, um, I might mess up your segue. Like I do. Sandra. I have to go back real quick. I'm real good at this. I've only been doing it for how long? Um, No, what what it keeps flashing that I can't get out of my brain really quickly here is this just this whole bottle a night business, right? I just keep seeing 30 bottles of wine on my counter. I just now I'm like, okay, that's 365 bottles. Like, what would that look like? I mean, if we could like see it in a visual, like tangible, what are we doing? Yeah, it's horrifying. It's like, I'm poisoning myself willingly um, with this neurotoxin. And I know sometimes that kind of talk and I was talking with a sober person the other day and they're like that, you know, that sounds so negative. And I was like, well, it's the truth. <laughs> well, it sounds kind of judgy. And I'm like, but it's, I'm not being judgy. I'm just saying like, I have to look at it that way so that I don't want to F with it again. You know what I mean? Like 365 empty bottles going into my body a year. And I did that for years, decades, right? I took, I, I love a day counter. I know some people don't love it, but I, I (laughs) use the one called I'm done drinking. Ah. And the reason I love it is you can calculate, you put in like, for me, it was like, yep. Chateau Saint-Michel Syrah, it costs, you know, 14 bucks. You know, I drank this amount. So in my first month, first 30 days without alcohol, I saved $550, which is Mm. crazy. Yeah. And I did not ingest 40 bottles of wine and I'm five foot three, 40 mm-hmm. bottles. It's mm-hmm. insane. 
Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And I, and I know, like you said, Tammy, sometimes looking at it um, physiologically isn't helpful for some people, but it's very helpful for a lot of people because it's yeah. like, okay, facts are facts, you know? Absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, if I, not looking at that part of it is, is, you know, that's denial for me. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that, um, for people who are numbers people or need to look at it a different way. I'm a numbers person too, Casey. And it's like, I started looking at what I was saving. That was a really big motivator for me in the beginning, the day count. I like, um, I think Veronica Valley just did a, an episode on her podcast about why day counting is important. I haven't listened to that yet, but for me, it was important to tether me and to, to stack them up. Um, but I I've just looked at my day counter. I've saved $45,000 in the last six years. That's with a $20 a day habit. Um, and that was an average, yeah. you know? So it's just like that motivated me in early sobriety. Like I can go take myself to lunch. I can go fix this cystic acne that is breaking out because of all my drinking and how poorly I've been treating my face and my body. I can go get a facial once a month. Um, I, I actually, that helped me, um, that helped me just try to take care of myself. Cause I'd just been abusing myself for so long and thought I deserved it yeah. too. And you need to yeah. do that. I mean, I just looked at my counter. I've saved $35,000, which is crazy, yeah. <laughs> but I crazy. used that money on going to, she recovers yoga retreats on salt spring Island and going on trips with girlfriends and not poisoning myself and all the facials and massages mm-hmm. and jewelry in Venice. And, you know, I, I'm big proponent of sober treats because you do need to rewire your like reward system. We're so stuck in that, like wine is my reward. And, and honestly, it's just tunnel vision, right? There is a universe of incredible, awesome things out there. And, and you've been neglecting all of them for this, you know, for this one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and really too, it, you know, like I've never done the, the apps where they, you know, the money ca- counting and all of that. But I mean, for me, like a good night's sleep and being up before the sun rises is my treat. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that's my reward. Yeah. Or good coffee in the beginning, or like just, you know, treating yourself with a chocolate bar or just like, I, I find that like a bolt of fabric, right? So you can go thrifting and you get a bolt of fabric or something beautiful. Like I went back to college, like the way that I started treating myself was different, but in the very, very beginning, I know that I kind of, the way my brain was wired at the time is I, I needed a reward. Oh yeah. Um, and it was like some- every day and you need to plan for it because you know, that voice that tells you, you need to drink. is like, you have nothing. Your life sucks. This is boring. And it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, we talk, I mean, this is like the, the topic of the, um, the unruffled podcast is, you know, the void that's left when you quit drinking. And, um, for some people that void is very frightening, a very frightening idea because it's like, okay, that's a chunk of time. What do I do with it? Will I be bored? Yeah. You know, please help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, and, and, and I know that just the idea of, of sobriety equals monotony, just that even the thought of that 
is enough to, um, you know, for, for, for most of us to not even consider, consider it unless, well, and I think yeah. that most of us surround ourselves with drinkers and our whole social life is around drinking. And I did that on purpose, right? Unconsciously maybe, but edited my friends, my activities, literally, like I said, I wouldn't go to a mommy play date if they weren't the kind of people who would offer wine. And so when you decide to stop drinking, you do worry, like everything I do for fun involves alcohol. All of my friends drink everything I have planned. You know, I used to do all my anniversaries at different wine tasting regions, right? Cause that's what I wanted. So you're just like, I can't imagine my life without alcohol. And you sort of, you know, I want to tell anyone when listening to this, and I know you guys too, like, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You are going to have fun. You are going to travel. You are going to have tons of joy without alcohol. It's just a little bit of a process. Right. Cause it does seem so unfathomable, especially when you hear, you know, what do I have to change? Well, everything, (laughs) sorry, but Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything. You have to change everything. If alcohol is the centerpiece of your life, right? If that is the center of your life and you've worked everything else around it, of course it's going to, everything has to change. Mm -hmm. And that does feel daunting. And that does feel like, I don't want to do that. You know what? I I have to change my friend group. I have to change my activities. I have to change what I do for dinner every night. You know, it's like every, uh, it's, it's big things and tiny details. Well, and I think that in, you know, now as I reflect back and it didn't take that long, I still have a lot of the same friends. I still have the same husband. My life is very similar. I just, you know, a, you know, I, it's always like, if you're going to go somewhere and the entire point of the thing is to drink like wine tasting, of course, don't go. Right. Mm -hmm. If, everybody's going to a bar and the entire point of the evening is to drink and get drunk. Yes. Don't do that. You know why? Cause if you're not drinking, it's not very fun. Like it just mm-hmm. sucks. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of things that we do that we don't realize are actually still really fun without alcohol because we've never done it. It's right. just been like your best friend, your constant companion. And so you know, in the beginning, I just shifted sort of the nights for the mornings, right? Instead of meeting girlfriends for happy hour or dinner, I met them for brunch and a walk or yoga or a run. Like I just was like, I still want to keep all my friends. And I just told them I'm doing a hundred day health challenge with no alcohol. Like that's what I'm doing. Here's my goal. Here's my end date. I'm not drinking until this day. And so whenever they would suggest something, I'd be like, oh, but I'm still doing my no drinking challenge. Can we meet at 10 a.m., do a walk and go to this awesome brunch place? So Mm. I didn't have to change everything, like my people, all the things. I just had to shift it. I started going to bed really early and then waking up at 530 to go work out, which I'd always wanted to do, just never followed through on it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I did it. And I guess that- 
And, right. Oh God. <laughs> yes. All the time. But I guess that, that in, that invited, um, a, just a kind of a subtle shift in the dynamics of your relationships. Right. I mean, do you yeah. still have those same friends? Because I, I'm sure eventually they caught on. Okay. You're, you're still doing your challenge five years later. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they know clearly, right. I'm a super coach with the podcast. Like right. I am out. But I would say that I needed to ease myself into it. Like if I had started and said, I am never drinking again and I have a drinking problem, I never would have kept going because it was such a high barrier to entry. And I was so scared of what that would mean. So in the beginning, I just said, I mean, I was working with Belle. I hired her. Clearly, I knew it was an issue as we've discussed. But I just, I said 100 days and I told everyone. And I feel like telling everyone that I was not drinking for a hundred days was huge in helping me follow through. Like I told my morning workout group and my colleagues and my best friend and my husband, and I didn't tell them anything else. I mean, I was overweight. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get in shape, like, but I also like drank 365 nights a year. So there, there was no chance that I would suddenly say, I don't feel like drinking tonight. Cause that literally never happened. Right. So, Everyone would assume you were pregnant. Yeah. And you know, I had a two-year-old, so I was like, I am not pregnant. <laughs> so, you know, it was, so that helped me. And I think what happened was all, you know, when you say I'm not drinking or I stopped or I have a problem or I'm not going to drink again, you know, my husband had a lot of fears about that too, right? Like what will our relationship ship look like? Will we have fun? What happens when we go to Italy and my girlfriends too. And so it helped ease. Like if you think of a three-legged stool, it helped ease me in, my husband in and my friends in. So, and I had the like support of my coach. I was going to a therapist and I had my online group. So I had this, this huge support. I knew what I was doing, but I didn't have all the like subtle undermining or planting seeds of doubts from people so that by the time I got to hundred days, I had hung out with my friends. I had gone out on a date with my husband. You know, he saw that like our life was more calm and relaxed and I seemed more optimistic. So when I got to hundred days, I was like, you know what? I think I want to see what a full six months feels like. And you know, they were like, whoa, okay. I was like, look, I, I feel better. I'm happier. I'm sleeping better. I have less anxiety. And during that six months, you know, between a hundred days and six months is when a, it was my birthday. Um, B I went to Venice and Croatia with my husband and my whole family, which was insane going to Italy and not drinking at four months. Wow. But that was when I also told my husband, all the shit that he had no idea about the internal mm. struggle, um, how, how scared I was also how awful it was when I was drinking, um, mm. all my fears about leaving it behind. And so I, I had not told him that I hired a sober coach. He had no, he didn't, I did hip sobriety school. He had no idea. I was like, okay, either he's really unobservant, which is probably why I got away with drinking so much for some, <laughs> you know, um, but I told him all that somewhere between 100 and 180 days. And then he became my biggest advocate, but we got to get past his fears and my fears and all my friends' drama. You know, it was just like, it took it off the table until I got stronger. Mm, I like that. so nice. Yeah. I like that. I think I kind of did something like that. I, although I didn't have a strategy. It wasn't like... 
you know, I didn't have a sober coach and I didn't have a strategy, but I definitely was more quiet in the beginning about it until I got my footing. Yeah, for sure. It kind of just unfolds. So Casey, so you did this with bell and you did this with a sober coach. Did you ever do any, um, other like modalities like AA or, or refuge or anything like that? Refuge recovery. The first time I decided to stop drinking in 2013, um, I went to a therapist who, you know, on his website, it said he dealt with addiction and anxiety. I very specifically chose him because he had addiction in there, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to talk about it. So I like went in there and I said, my life's so hard. My husband, you know, I we're having issues. Um, my boss is a nightmare. And by the way, I'm drinking a bottle of wine a night. And he was like, great, let's talk about your drinking. I was like, no, you don't get it. It's not about my drinking, right? It's about my right. life. And he was like, uh-huh, let's talk about your drinking. So he had been to AA and a lot of people on the BFB were into AA. I feel like eight years ago, it was like the primary thing that was yeah. out. Yeah. So I tried AA for four months. Um, I met a lot of great women. Um, I went like four days a week. I was sort of on a sabbatical from work and it was not for me. Like it just, I'm, it's not my approach. It, it, it didn't resonate with me or the dogma. Um, but I know it does with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I tried that my first time I went back to drinking the second time I, you know, worked with bell. So I emailed her, I had her on my podcast. Um, we emailed exchange messages 800 times in two years. Like I was the wow. girl of sober coaching. Like I emailed her six to seven days a week, telling her exactly wow. how, you know, day five, day 17, day 102, here's where I am. Here's what I'm learning. Here's how I feel. Here's what I'm worried about. Like I was like a plus mm-hmm. student. And, um, and I did at, at 60 days, I signed up for hip sobriety school mm-hmm. with Holly Whitaker. It's now Tempest um, because I was going to Venice at four months and I knew it was going to be a huge, I mean, I was traveling with my mother and my sister, which are like, you know, yeah. triggers and um, you know, Italy and my husband. And I knew that I did not want to look back on that trip and think that's where I relapsed. Like, I can look you had at a plan and know if I'm drinking or not drinking. I did not want to look at every picture and be like, yep, drinking. Mm-hmm. So you had a plan. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I we can, we, we kind of need self-imposed or from a coach or whatever. It's like, you need a plan. I need a plan to know when I'm going to leave uh, the next event that I'm going to. I still need a plan. You know, what's my, you have to you? think it through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, okay. So going to Italy, uh, partnering with your husband, sharing more about your journey, um, hip sobriety school. Did you go to two or three, or do you remember the number of your school that you went to? Um, gosh, I think it was three. It was, it was, it was. So when I, when I finally quit for good, it was February, 2016. And I started hip sobriety school in April, 2016. Mm. Yeah. You're just after me. I must've just missed you. Yeah. Yeah with Holly. So tell, so when people think that this is boring or when you're coaching and working with women, like, how do you do, do women come to you a lot with that saying like my, it's going to be so boring. I can't possibly, is that a big concern for the literally that you work with? number one concern? I mm-hmm. hear from women. like so they're, there's so much wrapped up there. A they're worried that their entire life is going to be 
devoid of fun, adventure, romance, um, being free. They're worried they're going to be excluded from their friend groups. They're worried that, you know, basically um, a lot of fears around their husband uh, missing his drinking buddy, mm-hmm. like, which I, compl- you know, I've been with my husband. We amazingly met when we were 22 and I quit drinking at 40. Mm-hmm. So we always drank together and, you know, he's a normie, but at the same time, it was a huge part of our marriage and he didn't really actually want me to stop drinking. I don't think he wanted me to have an off switch. He wanted me to not pass out on the couch. Right? Yeah, me, me too. Right. But no, right. <laughs> right. That would be, yeah, that would have, that would have been a, a prime yeah, yeah. option. But and so I think that like when women are feared, fearing about the future, they're thinking of the drinking highlights, right? Like me in Italy with a carafe of red drinking highlight me with my girlfriends out at happy hour drinking highlight, you know, at, that was maybe 15% of my drink. Right. 85% mm-hmm. was me on the couch passed out and bloodshot eyes in the morning. That was right. 85% of my life. Which that was my, finally, the realization that I came upon when I, you know, had maybe 30, 60 days was, uh, you know, the, accepting the irony that my life had become so monotonous, so without adventure, so not fun anymore. Yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't, I didn't, I couldn't see it. I wouldn't accept it. The alcohol, um, you know, clouded there just like thickened the denial of that. Yeah. And so I'd say two things about it, just to wrap your head around it in the beginning. Number one, drinking actually keeps your life really small. You don't even realize if you're drinking the degree to which you are editing the universe of people and adventures and activities and joys that you could feel because you are drinking, zoned out, hungover like there I remember driving across the bridge into Seattle we have incredible mountains and water and you know all around us at 7 a.m on a Saturday when I had stopped drinking and there it was teeming with people running and biking and laughing and hanging out and I was like in tears looking around I was like does this happen every weekend like is this out there because I hadn't experienced any of that. So, you know, there are so many amazing things that you could be doing, things that you always told yourself you would do, like doing a triathlon or going to aerial yoga or going on hikes or, and it doesn't have to be sporty painting or, you know, whatever it is that you just have been editing because you have tunnel vision Mm -hmm. and you don't want to give up drinking. So I think when we look at it, that drinking really isolates you. It keeps your life small. It keeps your life boring. It keeps you from meeting new people and having new ideas and having new energy to do things like that's number one. And then number two is if women have been struggling with this for a number of years, which most of us do, right? Mm -hmm. You try really hard to get four days without drinking or seven days or maybe two weeks, or maybe you make a month and then you go back. So you're like, oh my God, 
sobriety is so fucking boring. I just sit there. I'm miserable. There's nothing to do. All you do is drink tea and take naps and watch bad shows. And I'm like, no, sobriety is not boring. Early sobriety is the (laughs) absolute worst. And you have been doing it over and over again for five fucking years. Right. You keep going back to the starting point. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get past those first four days, those first two weeks, those first 30 days, then you can get out of your bubble. Your world can open up. You're going to feel better. You're going to sleep better. You're going to have more energy. Like you're, it's so weird how your like optimism returns and you start seeing these like breadcrumbs all around you, but you do have to like in the beginning, you know, build that bubble, which if you do it 17 times in a row, yeah, it's fucking boring, right? Like people are always like, (laughs) I'm so tired of you telling me to like binge watch shows and drink tea and go to bed early. And I'm like, yeah, make it past day 14. And we are going to get you out there in the big, beautiful world. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to start. You have to start where you start. Yeah, yeah. But if you keep doing that over and over again, for me, my last day drinking was Groundhog Day, Casey. So the symbolism of that. Oh my, like, seriously? Yeah. I didn't realize it until my, the night before my one year anniversary that that was my last night drinking was Groundhog okay, Day. That is incredible. That's the best <laughs> thing I've heard. Right. So it's like, that's what we're living. That's what I was living the same day over and over and over again. And, um, I never thought about, I mean, I shouldn't say I never thought about it. It's hard to remember now back then, but um, I didn't think I needed to quit. I just thought I needed to quit having the conflict with my husband. I needed to not have to apologize all the time for my behavior. It was like all those other things I needed to quit drinking, but I couldn't even really see that. So when I, when I quit, I didn't know I was going to quit on February 3rd. I didn't know that was going to be my day one. Um, I just told on myself to my doctor. Right. But, um, after I got through the 14 days that she had me do the eliminate, I'm sorry, the eight week elimination diet that she had me do. Once I got those days under my belt, I didn't want to go back. So what's that eight times seven. So what 56 days of, of sobriety. I was like, I like how I feel on Saturday mornings. I like that. I can go train for a hike. I actually kind of like going to bed at seven 30, even though it feels weird and it's light outside. <laughs> um, I like waking up super early and getting time to myself to think and read and write and make something in the morning before the sun comes up. It was like, I had to, uh, those things were always available to me. I was always up at five in the morning, by the way, cause I'd wake up in the middle of the night and write, but I had that, you know, crushing anxiety and heart palpitations and whatnot. Oh God. Yeah. So, well, like, and, 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 oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You were finishing your, no, I'm just saying, I was just saying that like, once I could get 56 days, I felt like I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose them. I don't want to give them up. And then I know there's different philosophies about you don't lose them, but it, at the time, how I felt in my mindset, I was like, I have to hang on for dear life to this. And I, I was adding in tiny incremental things. And I think that's a really good point that you make. You got to get past the day fourteen. You got to keep stacking them up because that's why the where the numbers game can can really help you. You're right. You don't have to. It is going to be freaking boring if you have to do that like Groundhog Day. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have to get new your new routines established. You have to start cutting the new neural pathways in your brain. Like those things have to come first, and 
you have to put yourself in a bit of a bubble to, to get those things established. Yeah. But then after that, you know, like I'm a person that loves adventure and I love to try new things. And I had, I did not know, I had no realization of how, like you said, editing, how I had edited my world. Like I didn't know that I wasn't trying these things because they didn't fit into my drinking schedule Um, until I, you know, had a, had a couple of months or, you know, until I started um, the world started opening up again to me and, you know, things started to get a little brighter and more available. And it was like, wait, I, I haven't been doing this thing. Like I, I, I tell this story all the time, but it's a really good example that I discovered at about four months sober, I discovered book signings at my local bookstore. I love like, that you said that. That's and, so awesome. And it's like, why have I not ever done this before? Oh, I know <laughs> because they're during, they were during happy hour or they were in the evenings and they don't serve booze at the book mm-hmm. signing at the bookstore. And that's why that was never an option available to me. But like, and there was been over the, you know, seven years that I've been sober, almost six and three quarter years or whatever, I didn't realize all these things that, you know, all these um, workshops and classes and, and just fun things that, you know, I could kind of throw in my, my bucket list or hobby list, hobby bucket. I have, I didn't do, I had edited because I, I just, because they just didn't fit into my drinking schedule. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so exhausting way back when. Right. Well, and the other thing is when you're drinking, like, or at least for me, like I felt like I could barely cope with my life. Like anything additional would break my back. Right. Well, absolutely. I mean, because look, you know, I mean, look at, yeah, look at what we have to do as moms, as, as employees, as business owners, as wives, as, you know, and you're losing four hours a night and sleeping terribly and hung over the next day. So you're working on like a quarter power. So plus mm -hmm. you're hustling to, you know, like we said, to, to continue to be quote unquote high functioning or whatever, you know, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. There is no room for anything else. Yeah. And when you remove it suddenly, I mean, I was kind of amazed. I had the same corporate job and it was not as stressful and I had more time on my hands and had more energy and wasn't strung so thin. So it wasn't until I got it out of my system that I was like, oh my God, I can, I mean, it blows my mind. You know, I was, I was somehow managing to do my corporate job plus my kids, plus the schedules, plus sleep well, plus 5.30 a.m. workouts, plus hip sobriety school, and like wasn't breaking a sweat, you know? And I'm like, how is this even possible? I trained for a 10K. You know, I could I could barely get breakfast before when I was drinking. You know, I was just so busy, right? Which by the way, mm-hmm. that's boring when you go through life martyring and being stressed out and snapping at your partner because like unloading the dishwasher is too much for you. Like, suddenly you're like, I think I'm going to go for a walk and read a novel on my lunch break. And it's like, what, how is Mm -hmm. this happening? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are all the beautiful nuances of what you start replacing it with. And it is so natural and organic. I mean, I know some people, I know that if it were me getting sober now, I want like, what's the timeline? When does this happen? You know, I know that because I'm, but because I didn't plan on quitting and it was just like this thing that unfolded, that was so natural and hard, really hard. That first year was so hard, but I look back very affectionately now, and I'm grateful for the journal writing and the, and the blogging that I did to help remember, um, not to wallow, but to, sometimes I need that reminder. Like I did a really hard thing. It's hard to quit drinking, especially yeah. when you're drinking the way that we're drinking, like what we're talking about a bottle a night, um, or more. Um, it's a, it's miraculous that I don't, right. That's the big thing. It's like, I, it's a miracle that I don't, and I can't even imagine going back to that. It mm. just, I, yeah, I had drinking yeah. night and I was like, no, I'm so grateful when I wake up from drinking dreams. Like I don't have to do that. Well, and I would like to put a pin in something you said, mm -hmm. Tammy, too, about, you know, what's the timeline and I, and I, and I know a lot, you know, I'm and still in a lot of, um, sober Facebook groups, you know, where there's a lot of, you know, very new and fresh, you know, day ones. Mm -hmm. And that is a question, you know, that a lot of women want to know, like, when do I stop feeling like shit? When do I stop thinking about this constantly? When does it not feel like such hard work? You know, when, and I have told the story before, but you know, and the promises, there's a line that says, you will be amazed before you're halfway through. Mm -hmm. And this friend used to say, okay, when's the halfway point? I would like <laughs> to know the actual date, please. So I can put it on my calendar because I'm trying to get just, you know, I'm just trying to get to the halfway point. Yeah. Or, or when is, when is the spiritual awakening going right. to like, when, when is, is the, when is the amazement? Come? When's the miracle coming? Like, <laughs> or like people say, when does it get easier? When do you start thinking mm -hmm. about it? And I'm just like, okay, you've been drinking for 20 years, which yeah. was what I did. Right. You've been right. drinking. For, so it, it does take longer than three weeks to stop yeah. wanting it and to want something yeah. else. But that does not mean that your life is unhappy or deprived or isolated when you're going through that process. Like, that's why I love the idea of sober treats and having things to look forward to having something to anticipate is so helpful in giving your life an atmosphere of growth, regardless of what it is. So I used to like walk through the whole foods near my office with my phone and literally take pictures of things that could be treats or bring me joy. Like I took a picture of a farmer's market or of bike routes around my town or of a massage or, you know, roller bar or bought myself flowers or a journal, like planned out like, okay, on Saturday, you know, you need to have like, I used to call them anchor activities, but something each day that is not for your kids and not for your work and not for your husband and not your chores, but is for you. And it can be big or small, but I used to go to a garden store. We had this gorgeous garden store near my house that of course I never went to when I was drinking and they had, they had a little cafe and just beautiful plants. And I used to go and wander and like buy one thing for myself and take a picture of something else that I wanted to do later. And like, I like that. I like that. So you're never up, you're never short on ideas. I, that's a great idea. Yeah. 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 That's a great idea. Oh, Casey, this has just been wonderful. Yeah. And um, I know our listeners are going to 
just love all these tips and ideas that you've thrown out because you're right. This is a big barrier for so many of us, um, you know, and, and I, and it's also, um, an invitation to not, maybe not have to wait until it gets so, you know, bad enough, quote unquote, bad enough or so bad or waiting for the bottom to completely drop out. Yeah. Um, yeah, this has been great. And your story too. I thank you for sharing your story because it's so important to the, if anyone's listening, that's out there and yeah, think about how much you're drinking and think like you can reach out and go to our secret Facebook group, put a post, you know, that's how we, that's how we all have kind of done that. Trying to find the person that, you know, I I heard Sandra on a podcast and reached out, you know, or she was in a secret Facebook group with me and hearing her story on a podcast. I was like, I want to be friends with her. I want to, or if not just be friends, I wanted to just be in her orbit. You know, I wanted to comment on things or read what she wrote or what she shared. Like I felt like she had wisdom because she had more time than me. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, Casey, um, let's talk about three things in your unruffled toolbox. Um, we like to end the show. And after we talk about this, we're going to let you see, let's tell everyone how they can work with you, learn more about you and all of that. But, um, before we get to that, the unruffled toolbox are items that keep you, you know, unruffled and, agitated, um, more creative. Um, what are you, what have you got? Yeah. Well, I love that you mentioned your secret Facebook group, the unruffled group, cause I'm a member there too. And I would say that my number one tool in my toolbox is other cool women who've decided <laughs> to dish alcohol and are on this path. Um, it helped me way back in the beginning, eight years ago, when I joined the BFB, it helped me so much in early sobriety. When I was posting on day five and day 10, I actually met some of my very best friends. You know, I still have all my old friends, almost all of them, but I've added so many more incredible people to my life. And I met you know, my best friend, Ingrid, she's been on my podcast twice. We live. She's been on our podcast. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. We met when I was on like, gosh, day 50. And she was just starting our sobriety dates are 60 days apart, five years in, and she lives in Seattle. We both were corporate women in tech and have so much in common. So it, you know, and she's not the only one I've met so many cool women. So, you know, I would say other awesome women who also get, you know, they used to drink, so they got some good stories, you know, they like to party (laughs) and they've come out the other side. So they have some vulnerability and they've done some work and introspection and they cut through all the small talk, like finding those people Mm. is like my number one tool. And I've found them everywhere. Like you don't realize how many fucking women have quit drinking and are really (laughs) happier. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, That's That's a good one. It's a great one. Yeah. The second one in terms of keeping me unruffled, I actually learned this in the early days is putting myself first and in, in big and small ways. So to this day, I wake up in the morning I don't meditate. I'm not, I should, I've been telling myself for years I should. Um, but I ask myself, what can I do to take care of myself today? 
And mm. that lets me do a couple things. Like I do a quick schedule scan because I'm a schedule girl, right? Um, and it lets me do a sort of a body emotional scan. So I'm like, here's what I have going on today. Here are my 17 things. Here's what I need. I'm lonely. I'm tired. I'm, my body hurts. I feel like I haven't exercised. I overwhelmed, whatever. And it let me, lets me pick out one thing. So like today I'm going to call my best friend Edie, or today I'm going to go for a walk at lunch, or today I'm going to take a few things off my list or watch like right now, you know, pandemic month 15, I am literally binging all of Dawson's Creek, which is frightening, <laughs> embarrassing, and so fucking good. I can't stand it. I'm on season five. Like, I love it. I love it. You know, I'm Dawson just that. got back together with Jen. Oh my God. He had sex for the first time. I can't get out. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> so like putting myself first, like right now, I, to this day, five years later, I do my laundry first. Like before anyone else in my family, I do a load of just my laundry. I lay it all out to dry. If my kids or my husband shit or the sheets don't get done, I don't care. But like, that's a small act <laughs> of you. like, I'm taking care of myself first. Y'all, yeah. can, I will take care of you too and happy to do it, but I'm not putting myself last. Right, right. You're, you're pouring from a full cup. Yeah, I like it. Or like, I'm not going to get the short end of the stick on everything by my own actions, right? Like I was the one doing it. So, you know, that's, that's something I do. And then um, my third, I am a huge vision board girl. Like mm. if you, my garage, I've got like, it's embarrassing. I have 30 perfectly aligned vision boards, like pushpin boards in my garage. So I see them twice a day when I drive in and out in my office, I have three. And I have on my website, I've got a vision board kit, which has like a hundred inspirational quotes and it, they really helped me in early sobriety and they help me now. So, you know, I, we all have so many negative thought patterns, like finding the, the positive version of that, that resonates with you and putting up images of when you were happiest and also like what you want to bring into my life and what you're excited about in terms of looking forward. Like when I was in early sobriety, I had a vision board that, that helped me so much. You know, it said like, um, you're not going to heal by going back to what broke you. Um, Mm -hmm. and may, you know, may your choices, um, I think it's Martin Luther King Jr. But like, may your choices be based on hope, not fear. Um, cause everything I was doing was fear-based, um, you know, and images of me on a moped in Nantucket when I was 27 and riding around by myself, taking pictures of lighthouses. I was like, I want to be that girl again. Mm, that girl was happy that. and free and joyful. And so, you know, then later in sobriety, I put up images that helped me like get the courage to leave my corporate job. And then like, I want to travel to Amsterdam and Greece. And so maps of Amsterdam and images of a hike in Greece and, you know, just looking forward at this big, beautiful life you get to have now that you're not drinking and hungover. Yeah. I love it. Uh, well, I see a collaging date in our future case. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 when I come to Seattle, I'm looking you up. I know Ingrid. I uh, I'm gonna have a coffee date with Ingrid. So yeah, if we're, you we're ever gonna come get here, we have the coolest group of women in Seattle. 
um, it's, it's big and it's awesome. Yeah. I've mm. heard, I've heard, I've heard, I have big plans. Yeah. And maybe Sandra can come too. Oh yeah. I'd that would be too. so fun. Oh my God. Okay. Oh. All right. That's on my vision board. Um, <laughs> Casey, thank you. Where can our listeners find you? You're a sober coach. You have a podcast. So tell us yeah. all the things. Yeah. Well, I'm, my website is hello someday coaching.com. Um, I chose that name because so many of us, you know, are like, oh, I'll quit drinking someday or I'll get in shape someday or I'll leave my soul sucking corporate job someday. And so, you know, when I started it, I was like, okay, you can take small steps starting right now to make yourself happier and more fulfilled and do all the things you've been putting off for way too long because you have kids and a life and a mortgage or whatever. Um, so that's my website. Um, I've got a 30 day guide, 30 tips for your first 30 days, um, on my website, completely free. It is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. If you want to figure out how to, in a really practical step-by-step -step way, set yourself up for success. And I have a podcast, you can, um, the hello someday podcast, and I've had Sandra on there, Tammy, I'd love to have you on as well, whenever you're free, but, um, that's a great place to get in touch with me as well. Aww. I love it. And you on, you're on Instagram at Casey M Davidson. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Casey, this was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Thank you so much, Casey. Appreciate oh, you sharing welcome. with our listeners and being part of our community. And if anybody hasn't listened to Sandra or any of the other episodes on Casey, on Casey's podcast, go listen to hello someday. Um, is it, wait, I'm sorry. Am I getting it wrong? Hello someday is the podcast. Yeah. It's the hello someday podcast. The hello someday podcast. Thank you. Love it. All right, Casey, have a great sober day. All right. Have a great day. You. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.